I want to thank the Lord for, uh, he's been awful good to us. A lot I could say right there. <clears throat> but I want to thank this church and your pastor for the burden of having these meetings in these days. Brother Moore preached about that refreshing. It helped me tremendously. Other men of God have preached, and I want to say thank you to each of you for preaching to me, and my family, and our church as they've been able to come several times now over the past few years. And I like it, amen. I like good, spirit-filled singing, shouting, and worshiping. I like music that honors the Lord. I like this environment. This is what I cut my teeth on, and I thank the Lord for that. And the Spirit of God has never changed. Man has changed and method has changed, but the Spirit of God's always the same. And I bless the Lord for that. So I say thank you, Brother Bond, for all that you do. Thank you, men, for preaching to us and to my family. And it's always been my desire since the Lord called me to preach, to magnify the Lord and to try to help somebody. And that is my desire this morning. I'd ask that you pray for me. And... Uh, I want to tell you about a lady this morning before we get into the message while you turn to Numbers chapter 13. I'd invite you to take your Bible and turn there. The Bible says in Psalm 127, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. There's a lady in Bessemer, Alabama. Her name was Joyce May. She run a bus route up until she was 80 years old. In 1973, she's running that bus through Bessemer and West End, Alabama. She went to a little house there that was broken by alcohol and uh, loose living. There was a 17-year-old boy that uh, was doing his best just to make it. All he really cared about was playing football and uh, just trying to get out of high school. That lady come up on the porch and looked at my dad and said, Son, would you like to go to church? He said, yes, ma'am, I believe I would. Dad had bounced around a lot. He'd been baptized, different things, but he'd never met the Redeemer. He goes to Flint Hill Baptist Church in Bessemer, Alabama, and a man of God got up and preached, and God began to deal with his heart. Dad did not get saved that first Sunday. But she continued faithfully to run that route with her family, picked that man up one more time and that second Sunday the man of God preached the gospel my dad went forward and got born again nobody knows Miss Joyce May not many people know my dad not many people know me but it doesn't matter if you and I know each other or names or things like that the most important thing is that we are faithful and that we are courageous for the Lord Jesus Christ that's what I want to preach about this morning. I want to preach about the rewards of courage and the blessings of faithfulness. The rewards of courage and the blessings of faithfulness. We are in a day of falling away. We're in a day of where faithfulness is almost non-existent. This morning, this is what the Lord's directed my heart in. And if you're able to and willing, would you stand as we read the scriptures together and reverence the word of God? You know the setting. Here the twelve spies have been chosen and picked out. 
They're getting ready to go and search out the land. Numbers 13, verse 21, the Bible says, So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Reob, as men come to Hamath. They ascended by the south and came unto Hebron, where Ahaman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the children of Anak, were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. So they came unto the brook Eshkel and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between two upon a staff. And they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs, the place that called the brook Eshkel, because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching out the land, notice this, forty days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them, unto the congregation, unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land thither, thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. Everything God said, we found it out to be. And can I tell you that it will always be that way? They went and found everything that God said would be, they found it to be so. They're rehearsing that. We come to the land whither thou sentest us, verse 27. And surely he's saying it's right. Notice verse number 28. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great, and moreover they saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses. Pay attention to verse number 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land the which we have gone and search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are the men of great stature. And there was also the giants and the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in, our, in their sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. You may be seated this morning. Heavenly Father, I ask, Lord, but one thing, that you get all the glory and that you help your people. In Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. This morning, the rewards of courage and the blessings of faithfulness. In Numbers chapter 13, we have come to the rejection of this place called the Promised Land. In all of Israel's history, beside them rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ, this is probably one of the greatest mistakes and one of the lowest times in all of Israel's history. They were literally at the threshold of the very best that God had for them, the victorious life. They'd been delivered from sin, delivered from Egypt. They'd been baptized in the water. They had an opportunity to come out. And now they said, we cannot go in. Israel's unbelief has made them be in a place to where now death is imminent. Twelve men have been instructed to go and spy the land. They go in for 40 days, 
and they travel roughly 500 miles. When you study it out, they find everything as God said it would be. They find the names of the inhabitants. They find that there's fertile soil. They find fruits and vegetables. They see that there is all that God said that there would be. Matter of fact, the grapes were so big, it took two men to carry them back. Amen. Probably had watermelons like a Volkswagen. Just cut a hole in them and dive off in it. Somebody say amen. God has the best for His children if we'll only obey Him. If we'll only be strong and courageous regardless of what we may see with the physical eye, we have to see past that with the eye of faith. When the men returned, there was two reports. Don't you notice with me the majority report and the minority report. In verse number 28, we have the majority report. You have to be careful when you bring up nevertheless when you're dealing with things of God. There are no neverthelesses or what ifs when God says. Be careful with the, minor, the majority report and the neverthelesses. He said, this is something that God said we can do. Everything God has said is there, but nevertheless. We have brought back the fruit, but nevertheless. We have seen the land flow with milk and honey, but nevertheless. We have the promises of God Himself, His covenant people, but nevertheless. We have the assurance of assured victory, but nevertheless. We have the most capable army that has ever existed. Jehovah alone is our captain, but nevertheless. Can I tell you this morning, the majority is usually wrong. The majority, my friend, is generally wrong. The majority compared themselves to Canaanites instead of comparing themselves to Almighty God. Listen to me, dear Christian. Do not ever view your circumstances, amen, just at face value. Do not view your God through your circumstances, but rather view your circumstances through your God. You have to put that as the lens of faith in your heart and life and say, I know what it may look like, but nevertheless, God is able to bring us through. We see the majority report. The majority report said that we can't. Now notice with me the minority report. Only two men, Joshua and Caleb. Joshua doesn't say much here. Caleb becomes the spokesman for the two men that would believe God. Can I say this this morning, Brother Bond? That nobody in this room probably remembers the name of the other ten that disobeyed God, but you remember the name of the two that obeyed God. Nobody knows how they died, but everybody knows how these two lived. The minority is always in a place to receive the blessings of God and the rewards of courage. Amen this morning. You probably don't know their names or how they died of those ten, but you know the name of those two that believe God and lived victoriously. It takes courage to speak up when you are in the minority. Amen. Always remember this, my friend, that generally the majority is wrong. Amen. It takes courage to stand up and say, I am going to believe God regardless of what the majority is doing. It took courage for those Hebrew boys to stand up when everybody was bowing down to the golden image, amen, and the wicked music was playing. It took courage, amen, to say, y'all all might do it, but we're going to live for God. And only through that did they experience fellowship with the fourth man. Well, preacher, they had to go through the fire. But my friend, God protected them from the fire. God will take care as long as you obey Him and His Word. Here's a proof text. Brother Jordan, the majority is usually wrong. That's absolutely right. 
Here's one proof text. The Bible says also wide is the gate that leads to destruction. And many there be that enter therein. And narrow is the gate that leadeth to life everlasting. And few there be that find it. January 20th of 1973, Roe v. Wade got it wrong when the majority of men and women in black robes said you can kill the unborn. The majority got it wrong. The majority got it wrong in January 20th of 1968 when they pulled God out of all public education. The majority is usually wrong. Amen. The majority got it wrong when they said crucify our Savior. The majority gets it wrong when they say you can live your own life, go your own way, and pray a little prayer, and still wake up in glory world. The majority is often wrong. Allowing men to participate in women's sports, the NCAA got it wrong. God help us, amen. Whether it was in Caleb's day or whether it's in the current day, it takes courage and it takes boldness and it takes zeal and it takes passion and it takes faith to believe God. But there are rewards. There is something that God will give. There is a record book. You see, Caleb knew something about believing God. Caleb was a godly man who had tremendous faith in the Lord God Almighty. Oh, he wasn't much in the eyes of you and I or maybe much in the eyes of the world or much in the eyes of generality as far as man goes. As a matter of fact, does anybody know what his name means? I'm sure some of you do. His name means dog. Oh, he's just an old dog. I mean, what's this dog got to say? These are the heads, the federal heads of Israel. These are the men that have been chosen to go and spy out the land. What's this dog barking about? What's this little old dog got to say? We know what's better. Hush up and be quiet and let us take charge. But a dog's trying to keep them out of a 38-year funeral procession. That dog might have just been a dog, but oh, he had the best master that a dog's ever had. And Caleb at a young age just made up his mind, if I'm going to be a dog, I'm going to be the best dog that I can be for my master. Oh, Caleb, you study it out, friend. His name means dog. It wasn't very important to the world, but he was awful important to the people of God and to Israel and to his family. He became the spokesman for the minority report, and he had the courage to speak out, although he was outnumbered. Someone has defied a committee as a group of people who individually can do nothing and collectively decide that nothing can be done. Amen. But he wasn't interested in the committee. He wasn't interested in what the majority said. He was interested in what God had already settled. It takes faith to believe God. But when a man and a woman will believe God or a young person, Brother Joe, there are rewards for that courage. The majority report was noisy and brought confusion and sin. Did you notice that? The minority report did uh, just the opposite. It brought peace and calm. Caleb here in verse 30 says that he stilled the people. You see, error often needs confusion to advance its cause. Have you ever noticed how confusing these that are in false doctrine and heresy, they make so many things so confusing? There is a simplicity that is in Christ. And see that no man deceive you from the simplicity that's in Christ. All this crazy stuff, macaroni and special glasses and all of this junk, my friend, just stay with the Word of God. Amen. The minority report brought confusion. Error needs confusion to advance its cause. When people become still and do some thinking, they generally 
will make better choices. Caleb knew that. The majority report read uh, procrastination and it also exposed unbelief. While the minority report prompted immediate service, true faith will always prompt to obey God's command and serve the Lord. Can I tell you, my friend, never underestimate leadership that prompts you to obey God fully. Never underestimate leadership that prompts you to obey God fully. The world may think a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or a godly husband is just a dog, but never underestimate someone in leadership that prompts you to obey God fully. Amen. Majority report and the minority report. The minority report prompted immediate obedience while the other pro promoted procrastination. Caleb understood this and he desired to do all that he could for God and his family. When the majority saw giants, Caleb saw God. When the majority saw fortified cities, Caleb saw falling walls. When others looked at failing, Caleb looked through the eyes of faith. When others saw problems, Caleb saw promises. When others saw foes, Caleb saw the fruit. Caleb had decided if I'm going to be a dog... I'm going to be the best dog that a master's ever had. Amen. Six times in scriptures you will find this key to his success that Caleb wholly followed the Lord his God. Six times. Faith links us to God and all his problems. Brother Bob Sanders, I love that quote. Evangelist Bob Sanders said, Faith links us to God and all of his promises. Amen. You see, Caleb was born in Egypt. Caleb was used to hard living. Caleb was used to hard life. Caleb was used to just having a dog's life. You study this thing out, for about 40 years, all he knew was beatings and whippings and the life of a common slave. Brother Caleb, uh, Brother Chris, he knew what it was like for his daddy to come home and for him to have fresh stripes on his back. He knew what it was like, amen, to watch his mother take off that garment and begin to wash those stripes one more time. He knew what it was like to not have enough to eat. He knew what it was like to watch one of his brethren die and then kick him out of the way and replace him with five more and cuss him and deride him and beat him. He knew what it was like to have a dog's life. He lived in that place. Of Egypt. He lived in that place of discouragement. He lived in that place of death and defilement. But that's not the end of his story. He knew what it was like to have those fresh stripes upon his own back. He knew the shame of slavery. He knew the shame and experienced years of defeat. He knew that every present fear was imminent death and danger. He was just a slave, he was just a dog. But something happened one day. He got to counting up those generations. He got to hearing mom and dad talk about in the 400th year God had said he'd send a deliverer. Oh my. He got to thinking about Levi. He got to thinking about Kohath and Amram and Moses. And one day he's getting ready to go out to work and he's getting ready to go out and be treated just like slave one more time. And something happened different this time, Brother Todd. He, saw an unusual looking man walking down to the river with the rod of God in his hand. And he saw that man of God lift that rod up and him hands over that water and begin to pray to a holy God in glory world and the entire body of water turned to blood. He began to watch his miracle after miracle begin to fall in that place. And God sent that midnight daylight. 
He sent that place of that ninth plague where darkness covered the earth. But it didn't end there, my friend. Just as darkness preceded the judgment in that day, darkness preceded God's judgment on Calvary for that space of three hours. And that's when the blood fell. This common slave, this common dog, he just got only to see not just those first few miracles, but he got to see the miracle of a shed blood of a lamb that would take his spot, take his stain, take his shame, and all of that, that blood would be applied, and Caleb knew what it was like to be delivered. Caleb was just a dog, but Caleb had been covered by the blood. When God looked down, he saw the blood on top, and he saw that he entered in through the blood. Caleb wasn't just your common everyday dog. Caleb saw the miracles. Caleb saw these things that happened. Caleb saw that everything that God had done was bringing to pass this deliverance and that God just in His grace allowed him, Brother Stamper, to be born in that 400th year of deliverance. Your trials of the day may be preparing you for somebody's deliverance tomorrow. Your pressures of today may be preparing you to help somebody 10 years from now. His mind was flooded with the records of Genesis. He was, his mind was flooded with the records of his mom and dad talking about what God said he'd do. And I just believe God. And I just believe he's going to be able to bring us through. Caleb was there when the blood was applied to the door. Caleb was there at the night of great deliverance. Caleb was there when God drowned Pharaoh's army in the sea. Caleb had gotten a taste of salvation, victory in life, and now his faith had grown to the point where he fully believed God. Caleb wanted a new Lord, a new life, and a new land. And you know what? It was delayed by 40 years because of others' unbelief. But Caleb got what God had put in his heart. Your hopes and your dreams and your desires and your prayers in the Spirit, in God's will, just because they're delayed don't mean they won't come to pass. You wait on God and you trust God. And the best is yet ahead. So, with all that being said, that's the foundation and that's the introduction. And I don't want to try to build a 50-cent shack on top of it. Amen. You pray for me. So what are the rewards of courage, Brother Bond? God told Joshua and over and over, be strong and of good courage. He said that to Joshua. But you know what? These two men that became fast friends, I believe that must have rubbed off on Caleb. Thank God for godly friends in the faith that will stand beside you in the fight. Joshua heard those words, but I believe it rubbed off on Caleb as well. Number one, the presence of the sweet Holy Spirit. That's one of the rewards of courage. Show me that in the Bible, okay? Go to Numbers 14, 24. Numbers 14, 24, I'm going to try to hurry on and respect the next man. Numbers 14, 24, when you're there, say amen. But my servant, who? Caleb. Because he hath another what? Who? Because he hath another spirit with him and hath followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land whither into he went. He and his seed shall possess it. My friend, when the world's dying and going to hell without God, when Christians are living beneath their privileges and not enjoying nearness to God, if you'll obey God and have the courage to stand in the midst of a great falling away in Laodicea, you can have the nearness and the presence and the sweetness Brother Mayo of the God of glory world, the Holy Spirit. He had another spirit with him. Are you interested in that this morning? You'll be in the minority. If you're interested in that other spirit, Brother Hewitt, I believe you are, you'll be in the minority. 
You're interested in letting God take control of your life and letting God direct your steps, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And as Brother Rain says, I believe the stops of a good man as well. God's stops and God's steps both need to be directed by the Holy Spirit in our life. Young ladies, young men, if you want the Holy Spirit to be evident in your life and have control of the reins of your heart, you'll be in the minority. Caleb had another spirit. Those others didn't have that. When Caleb experienced this reward, he experienced something the others did not. When Caleb heard the committee say we can't, the Holy Ghost said, yes, you can. When Caleb experienced a, even a shadow of frustration, the Holy Spirit said, Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. When Caleb was tempted to wonder how it's all going to work out, the Holy Whispered said, all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. He said, I shall supply all your needs according to His glories in Christ Jesus. He said, just settle down, son. Everything's going to be okay. When Caleb stood in the midst of an unbelieving, boisterous crowd, God the Holy Spirit blew wind in his sail and he stilled the people. What are the rewards of courage? Experiencing things nominal Christians never experience. You realize how many people today will live their life never experiencing what we've experienced this week? I'm telling my friend, it got so thick in here Monday night, you about needed a blind eye-seeing dog to get around. I like it when he manifests his presence and visits his people, Brother Jordan. Oh, I like that a lot. Hallelujah. Don't take it for granted. It ain't like that everywhere. Number two, not only another spirit, but leaving a testimony of faith for your family. Leaving a testimony of faith for your family. Oh, my. Go with me quickly in your scriptures to Joshua chapter number 14. Joshua chapter number 14, please, in your Bible. Preacher, I'm trying to hurry. If you want me to stop, just tell me. Leaving a testimony of faith for your family. Brother Moore, when it's all said and done, brother, when the inheritances are spent, when the lands are sold, a man that will obey God can leave a testimony of faith for his family that will endure till Jesus comes. <laughs> Not only can you have another spirit, you can leave a testimony of faith for your family that'll last for the days to come. Joshua 14, look at verse number 7. Forty years old was I when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me to Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. Oh, he lived in that trouble for 40 years. He knew what it was like to have that daddy come in broken down and discouraged. His daddy even named him Dog. Probably in a low spot in his life and he said, Mama, I know you expect, and I know we expect. You told he was born. It's just let's just name. He's just gonna grow up and have a dog's life. I mean, it was just off. It was bad. He didn't have any hope, didn't have any zeal, didn't have any courage. Might have been a low spot in his daddy's life, and he just named him Dog. That's not the end of that dog's story. He said, 40 years old. God brought me out after all them years of testing and trying. 40 years he lived it. 40 days he spied it out, and 40 years they had to pay for it. 48 years they populated their uh, carcasses in the wilderness. 38 years of a funeral procession. Great parallel there between the 38 years of the impotent man at the, the pool of Siloam there. Don't have time to deal with all that. Just constant death, constant death, dying outside of the blessings of God. He said, I was 40 years old. Look at the end of that verse. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. This man believed God not on the outside only, but also on the inside. 
Talk is cheap, friend. But he backed it up with a walk. He believed God, even though he was in the minority. Verse number 8, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people to melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's, pay attention to that, forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. Look at verse number 13 with me. This is what the Bible says. And Joshua blessed him and gave Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenites unto this day, because he hath wholly followed the Lord his God. He left a testimony of faith for his children. Hebrews 11, 1, the Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Amen. The Bible says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For the he that be believeth in God, he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There are rewards for faith. He had another spirit, and he had a testimony of legacy behind his children. 1 John 5, 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. He left faith for his posterity. Mom and Dad, what are you leaving for your family? Young person, what do you hope one day to leave for your children? Noah built an ark to the saving of his house, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Daddy, what are you building to save your family? You're going to have to have faith to raise a godly family in this generation. It's going to take faith and courage and there are rewards that go along with it. Amen. Caleb had that sort of faith. He was able to leave that testimony to his children as we will see further in just a moment. Not only that, but we are talking about his faith this morning. Thousands of years removed, Brother Reynolds, we're still talking about a dog's faith. I wonder if my faith will be talked about with my children. I wonder if my faith will be talked about by my grandchildren or will something come in my life and I'll allow that to knock me out of the traces. We're talking about his faith thousands of years removed. When you give your life to God, it is not in vain. And down through the years, your children can look at that testimony and say, if it worked for granddaddy, it'll work for me. If it worked for Paul, Paul, it'll work for me. If it worked for the pastor, it'll work for me. If it worked for the Sunday school teacher, it'll work for me. If it dried out the old drunk, it'll work for me. If it cleaned up the harlot, it'll clean up me. If it worked for daddy, it'll work for me. If it'll work for mama, it'll work for me. We don't need a new faith. We don't need a new gospel. We just need to believe God. Amen. Hallelujah. He believed God. When you think mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, that your life doesn't count, let me just remind you of Joyce May. She believed God enough to crank that van up and run that bus route in Bessemer, Alabama. And because of her faith, my dad got saved. And my dad married a godly lady. My mom labored under a profession until she was 36 years old. Until an evangelist full of the Holy Ghost of God came in a little old church in Green Pond, Alabama and the Holy Ghost of God pointed her out in that protracted meeting and said, you're not mine. You don't belong to me. And at 36 years old, my mama got gloriously born again. Daddy at 17. And years later, when I was 23 years old, God the Holy Ghost had saved my dad on a bus route and saved my mom in a protracted meeting. That same God saved me as a 23-year-old religious man that was lost. Faith honors God and God honors faith. It may take some time. It may not all pan out just perfectly like we plan it to. But faith honors God and God honors faith. You don't remember them other ten's name or how they died. 
But you do know these two and how they lived. Joshua and Caleb. Number three, not only another spirit, a testimony of faith, but enjoying health. Look at 1410 with me. Now, I'm not preaching uh, some of that crazy curly hair uh, jail stuff from the to, uh, state of Texas, health, where, health, wealth, and prosperity, and nothing, that kind of garbage. But I do believe that God in His providence can touch His men to fulfill the job that He's called them to do. He also allows things to come in our life, and whatever He does, it's just right and right on time. And God's going to work it all out. But I believe He can if He decides to, to touch and help His people. How do you know that, Brother Jordan? Look at verse number 10. And now behold, the Lord hath what? Kept me alive. Brother Jordan, when you get down there and you preach at Poplarville, tell them that it wasn't medicine, it wasn't the little gummy bears, it wasn't the vitamins. God kept me alive. God miraculously touched this man. Thank God for doctors. Thank God for medicine. We need those at times. Thank God, amen, they can sew your hand back up when you about cut it off, amen. But God, my friends, greater than any man or medicine. God kept this man alive. He said, and every time you preach this, every time you read this, I want them to know that God touched me and helped me. Another spirit, he had that blessing of faith and testimony. He enjoyed good health. Now, I'm not telling you life will not be without trouble. As a matter of fact, we know that man is born under trouble as the sparks fly upward. We know that there are ailments in this body because of the curse of sin. Amen. This tabernacle is going to go through things and it's going to be hurt and hindered. There's going to be cancers. There's going to be sicknesses. There's going to be uh, uh, teeth. There's going to be ingrown toenails and brain. All kind of stuff, my friend. But you know what? God's greater than all that. Amen. If God chooses to, He can touch and heal. And if God doesn't, He can ultimately heal with a new body in heaven. Somebody say amen. I believe God can and has supernaturally touched His men and women who believed wholly and followed the Lord. But at the same time, sometime God calls them home. All that's in the providential mind of God and He does all things well. I don't understand all that. Apostle Paul was stoned and left for dead outside the gates of Lystra, but God raised him up. John the Beloved was boiled in oil that didn't kill him. They put him out on a craggy rock called Patmos and God kept him alive. That's how you got the book of Revelation. God can touch His men. God can keep them. God can preserve them. They tried to burn the three Hebrew boys. God preserved them. They wouldn't bend their knee to the wicked music. They wouldn't bow their uh, heart to false worship. And they wouldn't burn in the flame. Somebody say amen. God can touch his people. Amen. They tried. They tried to take old Polycarp. Amen. And take him and burn him. And eyewitnesses account said that the wood would not even kindle. Eventually as they looked on and the hierarchy is there. And all of the cardinals and all the papacy are there. And they're bloodthirsty. And they're waiting on this man of God to be put to death. Finally because the flames wouldn't kindle. They're running through with spears. Tell me God can't friend. I believe God can. Polycarp was a disciple of John. 160 AD they tried to set him on fire. And he wouldn't burn. God allowed him to be taken out, but they made, he made it hard on him. Amen. Psalm 42, 11, Hope thou in God, who is the health of thy countenance. Proverbs 16, 24, Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Number four, you can receive the desires of your heart. 14, verse 11 through 13, And yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then. Even so is my strength now for war both to go out and to come in. At 85 years old, he had the strength of a 40-year-old vigorous young man. That's a miracle from God. We're going to see here in just a moment. I'm trying to close this thing down. This was a giant killer. This was a man of faith. 
And at 85 years old, he didn't look for a retirement home. He didn't look for an easy lot in life. He said, give me that mountain. Well, what about them children of Anak that are at the base of it? He said, I want the biggest and the baddest. My horse is ready to paw in the valley. He's been exercising for this time. I've got my, sh my swords uh, polished up. I've got my armor tightened up. And at 85 years old, amen, he said, give me the hardest, the biggest, the baddest, the nastiest, and the tallest. And I'm going to kick him. Amen. I'm going to kill him. And I'm going to get the victory for the glory of God. Amen. amen. Give us some more Caleb's today. Hallelujah. We've had enough of man buns and skinny jeans and thin line ESVs and all that garbage. Amen. Just give us some good men of God. There is nothing wrong with being a man of God and living for God, honoring that flag and honoring that flag and honoring this book and living for God and leading your family. Amen. America has been feminized, my friend. We need some godly Caleb's to stand up. You might be a dog in the eyes of the world, but you can be a son of God in his eyes and live for God. You can receive the desires of your heart. He wanted a mountain and God gave it to him. Psalm 37, 4, Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. When most folks want, would be happy with drawing Social Security and going out in a nice retirement community, Caleb was looking to slay another giant and take another mountain. Caleb was able to receive the desire of his heart, an extra blessing, well-watered plains to go and irrigate his crops, and a mountain to enjoy the view. It was better, amen, than the ones in Tennessee or North Carolina on the western side. It was better than all them, my friend, because it was in the promised land, and God gave him that, and he didn't even have to buy a bed and breakfast, amen. He didn't even have to rent a hotel or a B&B. &B. God gave it to him with a wonderful view. There are rewards, amen, for obeying God. Caleb was able to receive all these things. By the age of 70, George Mueller had already accomplished more than half a dozen ordinary men had accomplished in combined lifetimes. His tiny orphan, his work began with a handful of supplies, some small change, three dishes, 28 plates, three basins, one jug, four mugs, three salt stands, one grater, four knives, and five forks. But God so blessed the faith of George Mueller that his work would grow to five large buildings, a considerable staff, and be able to house 2,050 children at one time. Thousands of children had been cared for in the orphanages started by humble George Mueller. Mueller had given away large sums of money on to Sunday school ventures at both home and abroad church efforts, both there in his home, uh, his home area, his home country, and around the world. He distributed 2 million Bibles and New Testaments. He uh, distributed over 3 million tracts and books. By today's standards and adjusted for inflation, the total contribution would have been in the tens of millions that he gave away. George Mueller said it's just as easy to trust God for a million dollars as it is one cent. George Mueller never sent out one prayer letter. I'm not against him, I'm for him. He never took up one offering. He would set the table with nothing in the cupboard and wagons would break down outside the orphanage. There are rewards for obeying God and believing God. In Mueller's early life, within eight years of his conversion, he would offer himself and his services to five missionary boards. They would all reject him and turn him down. Mueller struck out on his own, believing God, and at the age of 70, he decided it was time for a change. He traveled over 200,000 miles, visited 42 countries, and preached at least 6,000 messages. At age 91, he claimed, God is my reward for courage, and God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He said, and I quote, I'm very near the end of my earthly pilgrimage. Still, I am able to work every day and all day too. I preach five or six times a week, and beside that, I am unspeakably happy. My wife bought me a book about him. It's one of the greatest books I've ever read. George Mueller has a tremendous life. Those orphanages are still going on today. Although things have changed, they're still in existence. God honors faith, and faith honors God. I bet you those thousands and thousands of orphans that 
were housed and loved and lodged and cared for and converted and won to Christ, I bet you they sure were thankful for a man obeying God. Give it the desires of your heart. Number five, watch your family serve the Lord. Go with me to Joshua chapter number 15, verse number 13, verse 13 through 20. It's 8 after 11. Y'all stay with me for just a moment. Look here with me. Watch your family serve the Lord. Anybody got any children in here they want to see serve God? I'm not interested in them in hitting a ball. I'm not interested in them in kicking a ball. I'm not interested in them in making this team or that team. Most kids never go any further, amen, than a lot of that stuff anyways. They're probably not going to make millions for the NBA. But if they have an opportunity and they have a place in time where they get saved and they give their heart and life to God, Brother Mayo, it'll be worth more than a mountain of cash. I want to see my family saved and serve God. I want to see my grandbabies, if God tarries, serve God. I have five children there at home. Their mother's teaching them today. I want to see them serve God. Two of them have come to Christ. I'm still praying for the other three. I want to see my family serve God. I'm not in this thing to marry them off to an idiot. Somebody help me. I'm not in this thing, amen, to see the devil get them. I'm not in this thing, amen, just to part time, just to quit halfway through. I'm in this thing to see my family serve God. Amen. Joshua 15, verse number 13. He said, And unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a part among the children of Judah, according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, even the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which city is Hebron. And Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, these giants. Notice this, Sheshai and a high man. That's a good name for a giant, amen? A high man. We'll get that in a little while. The high man. That's in the original, Brother Chris. I looked at it. A high man. Talmai, the children of Anak, he was killing these giants, dragging their heads, Amen through the countryside, glory in God, singing amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And went up thence into the inhabitants of Deber. The name of Deber was before Kirjath Sefer. And Caleb said, notice this, he that smiteth Kirjath Sefer and taketh it to him will I give eggs of my daughter to wife. Well, Caleb's got a girl at home. She's getting to the point where she needs a godly, I said a godly husband. She's getting to the point, Brother Stamper, where she's about ready to get married. And this daddy's got a desire to see his children serve God. He said, how can I find a godly mate for my little darling? How can I find a godly mate for my wife, for my daughter, and help her to be a godly wife to this man? He said, I know what I'll do. There's still some battles to fight. I'm going to see if he can go beside me in battle. I'm going to see, matter of fact, if he's been handling the sword. I'm going to see if he knows his way around the battlefield. I'm going to see if he knows his way around the word of God. I'm going to see if he knows his way around the sword. Mom and daddy, when you start helping to look for your, I'm not talking about necessarily arranged marriages, but the same God of glory that can make you and her as one flesh, I believe he can give mom and daddy peace on both sides with the in-laws and the pastor too. Somebody help me, amen. I believe God is a God of order and I'm not going to raise them, Brother Philip, and pray over them and bleed and sweat and preach and lead and love and let them destroy their life marrying an idiot. Amen. He said, I know what I'll do. I'll see if this old boy can wield the sword. Was Caleb tired and he couldn't do it? No, he just killed all these giants. A high man was one of them. Six fingers, six toes, ten foot tall, all that business. He'd climb up on them, cut their head off. 
I like that. I like that kind of stuff. Amen. We need some more militantness about us. God, amen. God help us. He said, I know what I'll do. I'll put this out here and we'll see if anybody takes me up on it. Verse number 17, and Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, took it. And he gave Aksa, his daughter, to wife. There was one young man in a prayer meeting somewhere. He heard about the bulletin and he said, I've been seeing her in Sunday school. Man, she's awful pretty. She sure is. a. She sings so good. She plays the piano. I believe that's Caleb's daughter. He starts asking around and has his dad and asks his mom, y'all think it'd be all right if we talk to the preacher and see if I can talk to her? Then it's put out in the bulletin on Sunday morning. Caleb's daughter needs a husband. And whoever goes over there and kills the rest of them giants and takes that mountain, I'll give you to her and a good dowry to boot. And old Othniel said, praise God, I'll do it. Just one. Just a minority. He said, she sure is pretty. She sure is good. She loves the Lord. She sings. She's there every service. Thank God for faithfulness. Somebody help me. He said, I'll do it. He goes home. He starts polishing up that sword on the whetstone. He gets his mom and daddy to help patch his armor up. They go to a meeting. They pray together and they send him out. And old Othniel jumps on that horse. And he runs towards Kirjath Sefer. And he's got the wind of God in his cells. And he's thinking about that little lady back home. And he said, I thank God for answering my prayer. See, he'd been needing a godly wife. And Caleb had a daughter at home. When you'll exercise faith in God, mom and daddy, and stay by the stuff, one of the rewards of courage is to see your family serve God. Amen. You know what Othniel means? Othniel means the force of God and the wind of God. <laughs> oh, Caleb knew something about that wind. Oh, Caleb knew something about that force. Oh, Caleb knew something and he wanted the same thing for his daughter because he knew it worked for him to get him out of Egypt. He knew it worked for him to promise, conquer the promised land, kill the giants and see God work and he wanted the same and more for his own daughter. I want my children to have at least what I've been afforded and more. First John or third John 1 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. In the midst of a falling away, in the midst of all the apostasy, in all the midst of all this degeneration, excuse me, I want to see some families that raise their family to marry godly families and raise another family for the glory of God. Watch your family serve the Lord. That's as, as good as that is, there is more. Oh, Caleb had a daughter at home. It was his pride and joy. And Daddy fought too hard, too many battles for her to marry an idiot. Amen. I hope that's okay. Amen. That's an adult word if you don't want your kids saying an amen. They can say it when they get an adult. So how is Caleb going to find a good Christian young man to marry his daughter? He offers a proposition. There's one more battle to fight, not because he can't fight it, but because he wants to put this young man to the test, Brother Joe. Mom and Daddy, when they start getting interested in your son or in your daughter, don't look at necessarily the, the physique or the bank account. You better make sure that they got to walk with God. You're looking for a young lady? See how she carries herself in the house of God. 
See how she respects her daddy and her pastor. Somebody help me. Young men, listen to me. If you marry a rebel, you marry a Jezebel, all the praying and all the love, all the all, everything won't change her heart. It'll take the Holy Ghost to do it. Only the Holy Ghost can affect character change. And you'll have hell by the half acre if you marry a Jezebel. Young ladies, you better look for more than hair and muscles because it's going to come out and it's going to fall down. Somebody help me. Chest to drawers disease, from the chest to the drawers. It's going to happen, friend, of the best of us. You better marry for more than hair, makeup, money, mascara, all that stuff. You, you've involved in a car wreck on your honeymoon. That don't mean you just quit and start over with another one. Oh, no, friend. You take vows till death shall part you. I know a family like that, the Green family from Lansing, Michigan. He pushed his wife ever since they were hit in that automobile accident on their honeymoon for over 30 years. Brother Jacob Stortenbecker has carried his wife. She's now in heaven for years, lame of her feet. You better marry for more than hair and makeup because cancers come, funerals come, trouble comes, and you better know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is full of God's spirit and she is full of God's spirit and the same God, amen, that made mom and daddy have a happy home and the same God that gave mom and daddy a happy place and the same God that blessed them and the same God that rewarded them will be the same God that will reward you if you'll just believe God. He said, I want Achish to marry a godly man and I want to see him raise babies for the glory of God and live on that mountain and drink coffee with me and plant the field and go to camp meeting and live for God. Amen. He offered a proposition. As good as that is. And I'm trying to quit. Judges chapter number three. Judges chapter number three. As good as that is, there's a little bit more. I was studying in my, in my recliner. I like that word. I like a table and all that too, brother. One of them rewords. Yeah, and reward and recline. Yeah, I believe it's, I believe it's perfect will of God. Amen. I got to refuel. He mentioned that the other night too. I was going to tell a joke right there, but I don't think I should. Y'all ask me later and I'll tell you. It's not bad. It's just I don't know if it fits right here. As good as that is, there's a little bit more. I was in my recliner. I was reading down through here in my daily devotions and God jumped this off the page at me. I'm telling you, it got real in my soul. You preachers know how it is. I'm telling you, he's putting it on me as fast as I could write it down. This is where it all started. Anybody know who the first judge is of Israel? It's gone full circle now. The same daddy that was delivered out of Egypt by a mighty hand and the blood of the lamb, his son-in-law was the first deliverer of Israel when they got in apostasy. I want to see my family serve God. The rewards of obedience, what are they, preacher? Another spirit. Having the desires of your heart. Leaving a faith-filled life and legacy for your family. Seeing your family serve the Lord. And watching God use them to help deliver somebody else. Now, you can't save nobody else, friend. But you can lead them to the Savior. And they needed a Savior 
they got in a bad way. Their blood was being spilled. They were against God. They had played the harlot. They had broke the heart of Jehovah. His wife had gone back a million times and it all started. And the very first deliverer of 13 is the son-in-law of this old dog. Ah, he's just a dog. Hush up. We can't do it. Yes, we can. God said we can. Y'all be quiet. Y'all be still. Brother Josh, lead us in prayer. I need to say a word. God said we can. I believe we can. You don't remember the ten's name or how they died, but you know the two's name and how they lived. Amen. Amen. Look with me in verse number nine. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And the Lord, all capitals, Jehovah, the self-existing one, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel who delivered them, even who? Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. You see, he had already fought in battles, cut off the heads of giants. And when you don't see God's hand working in the midst of your trial, there's an oath nail back here in a prayer closet walking down a dirt road to the house of God. Somewhere in the past, he's fought battles that you and I don't know anything about. And God's prepared these men of God to help our families because the day's not going to get better. The day's only going to get darker. I'm not trying to be despondent this morning. We're not going to have a worldwide evangelistic coming to God. No, it's being primed and pumped. I'm for missions. We support a pile of them. I thank God for missionaries. But my friend, we need to reach all of them while we can. But this is being primed for the Antichrist to step on the scene and the church of God be lifted out of here pre-tribulation. Amen? But thank God there's some Othniels. There's some young ladies, Achishes that are walking with God. Guess who was beside him when he had to put that sword on? That godly daughter. She was used to a man going to war because her daddy was a man of war. It's a rich text, friend. He wanted his daughter to help propagate. Ladies, you can't go to battle. Ladies, you can't stand up here. But there's a lot you can do for your husband that does. And if you've got a daddy or a pastor that is used to the battle, that knows how to wield the sword, and likes to conquer giants for the glory of God in the power of the Spirit, not in the flesh, because it'll fail you every time. And it hates God. It's anti-Christ. It don't like to read its Bible. It don't like to tithe. It don't like to fast. But if you'll work in the Spirit, God can give you a godly husband that knows what it's like to cut the heads off of giants in this day. We'll turn it over to the pastor, whatever he wants. Whatever he wants, we're going to just obey the Lord as the pastor leads. Together with Joshua, they experience the power of two. When the majority says you can't, young people, live for God. Brother, when the majority says you can't go to Peru and win them Peruvians to the Lord, there's a minority that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit says you can't. When all the world says, Brother Caleb, you can't keep going around and selling books 
and putting gas in the tank and feeding that little daughter. There is more for God. There is ability for God. He's got all the money, amen, on a thousand hills, the cattle on a thousand hills, the potatoes under, my friend. You just keep trusting God. When he says you can't, Brother Stepper, you just keep trusting God, amen. There are rewards for courage. I'm done, preacher.